Unless you want to, it's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 396 now of the Ron and Don Show, and oh yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about chefs around America that are looking at their reservations and saying, uh-uh. We don't want you and canceling those reservations before you even show up at the restaurant. Also, we want to talk about a new client that we have this week that called us up out in Duval and said, hey, you know what? We want to live in the house across the street. The problem is the house across the street is not for sale or was it for sale? We'll tell you what we did, and also now we have to deal with their house on the other side of the street. So before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Toxic productivity, right? We've heard about toxic emotional intelligence. We've talked about toxic uh, joy sometimes that people have this year. But what about toxic productivity? Seems like everything is toxic these days. Even the stuff that I thought wasn't toxic. What's going on here, Ron? Yeah, there, there was an interesting article this week that I read, and I sent it to you. And it was just a, a reminder for me. Because I have succumbed, I think, to this cult of productivity where I get profound feelings of guilt when I am not doing the thing. And I've seen some uh, tweets and messages about it where it's like, okay, I'm supposed to walk 10,000 steps and I got to do X number of minutes of mindfulness. And I'm doing, you know, you go through the list of all the things that we know are good for us. And then you add up that time and you're like, if you don't check all these off, I'm working out, I'm eating right, I'm sleeping this many hours, I'm setting my time on my watch when I'm going to bed, I've got, I'm supposed to be doing a devotional reading and journaling and, you know, you just put this list on there and then that's before you even start working. So like <laughs> you're supposed to do all that stuff and then when you're at work, you're supposed to be present and engaged and following up and doing all the things. and Authent- going to do, Authentic. Uh, being authentic and going to the Zoom meetings. Emo- emotionally intelligent. And then like you're reading these books, like I'm reading Good to Great and The Five Minute Chef. And, Traction. Like, all this stuff, like yeah. the the atomic habits and I'm habit stacking. And, going, and so there's this cult of <laughs> productivity yeah. and, and I have bought into it you at gotta times. You got to take a break from yourself. <laughs> where, where you're like... I'm going on vacation for me. <laughs> yes. That's the problem. It, Wherever you go, there the hell you are. And so <laughs> it, it's... Um, and these feelings of guilt would pop yeah. in where it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm not being as productive as I would. So I, I have these swings where I'm in this like hyper productive, checking all the boxes. I did all my things today. And then there are times where you, I just sort of shut down. Yeah. And it's like, all right, I'm going to sleep in and not do anything and oh, order a pizza. That sounds good. Yeah. And just like, wait, you chill. sleep in and order a pizza At while the same you're in bed? No. Wow. But you know what I'm saying? Who delivers early morning pizza? I think anyone I want, can do I want that. that phone number. Yeah. So I'm trying to be mindful of like, 
what phase I'm in okay. and that it's okay. Like the, the other day you and I had uh, a transaction that was going, you know, way past 5 PM, like later into the night. And I finally, I just said, this will be there in the morning. Like I need to shut this down. Uh, there is nothing here that is urgent to the sense that I need to stay up to midnight to get something done. This will be there in the morning where, and, and that's hard for me to disengage, but then the I want to be productive. The next night you had an offer like at 11 o'clock and you were, you're ping ponging on that though. Right? Yeah. So, but it depends on if it's, if it's critical or not. So, so what you're talking about, what I hear Ron saying is you're, you have a boundary problem. Is what it sounds like. Yeah, you, 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 I think a lot of people have boundary you, problems. You because my office is five feet from my kitchen. Yeah. So when I when I I'm at when I'm at work in air quotes. Yeah. It literally can be walking from my refrigerator to my desk is maybe ten steps. See this this is what's interesting to me. I was and that talk, can be toxic. I was talking to someone the other day. He's one of our clients that works at Nintendo, and his wife has worked at Microsoft, and she's at home now taking care of the kids, and she's a contract worker, so she's taking some time out. And now Nintendo would like them to come back to work. I think one of the reasons why, and, and this is really interesting, like on Wall Street now, uh, Saks has come out and said, hey, you, you got to come back all five days. If, if you live in New York City, you have to come back, and we want you here. We want you here on Wall Street. We don't, we don't want you sitting at home on Main Street. you got to come work for us. And, and I think what happened uh, during the pandemic – and I watch people that have W-2 jobs that work for other people. Because think about this. When you wake up in the morning, your time really isn't your own when you're going to work. Your time is devoted to maybe getting your kids to work, making sure your dogs and animals are fed and ready to go. You spend some time preparing yourself. And then the next thing you know, you jump in the car, you're driving with a knee, you're sipping your Starbucks. Maybe you got a mobile order. You don't know anyone in that coffee shop anymore because you don't have time for them. You just walk in, you grab your cup, you're in, you're out. Now you're in the car. Maybe you're on Bluetooth. Maybe you have some office meetings that you're prepping and preparing for. Uh, maybe you work on a team. You're talking to some of your team members. So you're in the car. You're not really enjoying the radio anymore. Maybe some radio shows you used to listen to or podcasts, whatever that is, because you're working for the man or the woman or the tech company, whatever that is. And if you're blue collar, like I see these construction well, guys but, around here that show up at 6 yeah, in the morning. But, but, hey, then you get to work and everything is kind of set for you, right? Everything is kind of set. And so you just kind of reflexively fall into your day. And a lot of times it's our W-2 jobs determine what we're going to do with our time. And then what happens, we get off work, we're driving home, and finally we're starting to feel, hey, maybe I'm going to get some of my time back. No, you're not, because if you have kids then you know you have to deal with daycare or maybe you're going to baseball games or dropping somebody off at a volleyball game, whatever that is. And then you get home and you got to walk the dog again. And maybe your partner's there and you're making dinner and you're making dinner for everybody else. And then on top of that, you have to start preparing for the next day and prepare lunches for the next day if you have kids. And so, and, and so what happens, the next thing you know, you blink and Tuesday is over. And then you jump into Wednesday and you fall into Wednesday and then Wednesday's over and then you fall into Thursday and life goes really fast. Then the pandemic happens and you become responsible for your own schedule, especially people that stop working. They're at home. They're not entrepreneurs. So they're not used to being self-propelled. They're not used to pulling out a calendar. 
in creating what a day looks like for them. And see, that's the opportunity. That is the opportunity for people. What the pandemic is, is to take your life back, to take it back. And so every morning I sit with myself and I go over my schedule and I do the same thing before I go to bed. And I really try to make sure that, that I've sketched in some boundaries. Like Ron asked me a question late last night, or it was late for me, and I got a boundary there. I'm like, you know what? I'll see Ron tomorrow. We'll talk about the question, which we just did before we turned on the microphones. And it had something to do with a deal. And I felt the same way that Ron felt. I said, you know what? That conversation will be here tomorrow. I'll see him in person. We'll have that conversation. I'm not going to take the time to respond to this right now because it's later in the night and it's not important, even though it's an important question. And, 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 and so I hope for all of us, as we get on the other side of this pandemic, and, and Dr. Fauci has now said the pandemic side of the pandemic is over, whatever that means, uh, that we take this opportunity to create some boundaries, to take our lives back, and to do what our kids don't do any. To allow yourself to be bored because it's in that boredom you reach for a book that you have never read before. Uh, it's in that boredom that maybe you take a class. It's in that boredom that maybe you find a new TV show that you really love. Or it's in that boredom instead of ordering a pizza, you decide you're going to make your own crust and make your own pizza. And in, do that, and in doing that, that self-discovery and creating boundaries for yourself – and allowing curiosity again to take over your lives. That's where I think life gets more fulfilling. But yeah, if you're just sitting there every day and you're creating a list of shit that you got, a list, excuse me, a list of stuff that you got to do, you're really setting yourself up to fail because you're going to write down 20 things, you're going to get to 19, and you're going to feel like hell because you missed one. So man, I just write down five every day. I try to get five things done every day. And when they're done, they're done. I'm going to the gym. I'm getting on my bike. I'm going to go watch my son play basketball. I'm planning a trip. Life is short. You only have so many minutes and moments. And, and I'm going to get out there and celebrate it. And, and, and part of that is making sure that you carve out time for you. And in that time that you've carved out, you don't have to sit there and habit stack all the time or eat the right foods. You can allow curiosity to kind of be your guide, which you're actually really good at. You're really good at allowing curiosity to be your guide. So Yeah, so I think just being – that, that article has reminded me to be mindful of it. When, when it turns into drudgery, uh, then it's time to, to, to reset and go, there, there's other things I can do besides being productive. Being productive is one of the things, but it's not the only thing. Yeah. See you guys on the other side of this. When Andrea Mickelson got divorced and needed to sell her house in Sammamish fast, she immediately thought of Ron and Don. I had heard on their podcast what they had done to help other clients that they worked with um, in terms of not just selling a home, but getting the home ready to sell. Andrea scheduled a Ron and Don sit down. And she knew right away they were the right realtors for the job. Because I feel like they care about who I am as a person and not just a client. Andrea admits the house needed a ton of work to get ready to sell, but she didn't even know where to begin, who to call, where to spend, or how she could afford to pay for it. And as a busy nurse who also takes care of her father, she had no idea how she'd even find the time. I felt that they could take on all the stuff that I needed to have done 
And I could then just sit back and watch the repairs being done on my house. Ron and Dawn jumped in and took care of virtually everything. Like they do with all their clients, they analyzed what work needed to be done and then worked in consultation with Andrea, so she was totally on board. Then they brought in their team of experts and transformed a house in need of serious updating and repair into a beautiful modern home. I didn't have to hire out for anybody. I didn't have to go look for windows. I didn't have to go look for decking or carpet or paint. He just handled it all and I would just sit back and watch. With the house looking beautiful and ready to go, it was time to hit the market. And Andrea says she couldn't believe what happened almost immediately. And we got an offer within, I think, the first 30 minutes Then it went live. So the first offer was at least 200000 over the, the asking price. And that was just unbelievable to me. And then the offers just kept going up. Andrea admits she was tempted to accept one of the first offers right away. But she says Ron and Don kept her calm, convinced her to wait until the day they set to review all of the offers, and assured her the numbers would just keep getting better. And boy, did they ever. They got $450,000 over the asking price better. It was pretty amazing, pretty exciting, um, and a total relief, honestly. And after the sale, Andrea says she got a huge bonus she never expected from her realtors. I consider them to be not just realtors, but friends and friends that I know that I um, will have forever now. Now, Andrea says she hopes she doesn't have to go through another home sale anytime soon. But if she does... I've already recommended them to friends, so I would 100% hire them again to sell my house, to buy another house. I would not go with anybody else but Ron and Don in the future. I'm Andrea Mickelson, and thanks to Ron and Don, I got way more for my door. Hey, it's GeForce O'Neill. Thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. I, I find this kind of interesting. Uh, and I was reading about a chef, and it's not just a chef, but a number of chefs around the country and a number of kitchens and a number of restaurants have said, you know what? To hell with Yelp and all these damn Yelp reviews. Because once you get a bad Yelp review, it's out there. And it's hard to get them to take that Yelp review down once somebody has jumped online and given an opinion. And so what these chefs in some of these kitchens and restaurants have begun to do is they will look at their reservations and they will say, you know what? Let's go look at their Facebook page. Let's see what they're saying on Instagram. Let's see what they have said on other restaurants. And as a result of that, if it's just too damn negative, (laughs) I love this. They just go ahead and they cancel the reservation and they say, you know what? You're not coming for Italian, or in my house, Italian. You're not coming for Italian food tonight. Ron, what say you about restaurants and chefs saying, hey, we're going to take some power back here, and if you think you're going to yelp me, well, you know what? I'm not going to give you that opportunity. Yeah, the California chef that they previewed or they they featured in this article, it was really interesting because he's like, hey, I, I'm I, my restaurant's all – I'm building a vibe. It's not going to be the fastest food. We have a small kitchen, but every one of my cooks is really good. 
Uh, our front of the house <clears throat> is also very friendly, but it's not about speed for us. We've got this cool location that I built. There's live music happening. It might take 30 minutes for you to get your first course. And he's like, if that's not your speed, then you're going to give us a bad review. So what he does, he pays for some service where when he gets the phone number of the person, he can run that phone number, get their identity. And then, like you said, go through. And if they're a serial bad reviewer or people that go on TripAdvisor or Yelp and they like to poke holes and everything, he's like, then he excludes them. And, and I can appreciate that. Like, I, I like the fact that he knows he knows what he's built and he knows who's he knows who's it for, hmm. who it is for. Yeah. And, and, and Seth Godin talks about this a, a lot. And, and he's one of the guys I like to listen to his podcast and read some of his books. Um, he's like. I'm not for everybody. I And he has a phrase that I love. People like us do things like this, meaning you get to fill in those two blanks. Who give me, are, so, give, so give me an example. Who are your people and what do you do? So let's take the, the, the Ronadon Nation for uh, in the Ronadon Nation real estate business. We're not for everybody. We are not for everybody. There are, are people that listen to this show that vibe with us and like the journey that we've had in our life. And, and then there are people that are not our people. And we used to, the, the, the hard thing when we were on terrestrial radio is you might have a listener who listened in the morning or list, liked a different host and then the radio happened to be on when we were on and they would just want to punch you in the gut every day. I didn't like this thing that you said. Uh, and it didn't matter what it was. I could come out and say, I like puppies. Oh, so you hate cats? You hate kittens? It's like, I never said I hated kittens. I just said I liked puppies. <laughs> I, I like ice cream. Oh, what about pie? You're, you're, a, you're a pie hater? It's like, dude, what are you talking about? So in this format now, we can say people like us, people that like what we do, you can voluntarily listen. And if it's not for you, it doesn't hurt my feelings if it's not for you. And if you like the way, like Don and I, when in our real estate business, what we're finding is that if we vibe with you, and for some people, it might be like, hey, I'm overwhelmed. I need some help getting this house into shape. Um, that's a certain type of person. And we will work with you to do that. And we've had clients where we're like, you know what? Or we've had meetings where it's like, I, I don't think you're our people. I don't think this is going to work. I don't think that we're going to be good team members. And it, in a sense, it, it sucks to turn down business, but it's similar to this chef of going, I have a pretty good feel of who we are and what we do. This is not for you. Yeah. And that's an incredible freedom to have in life when you can find somebody that's not for you. And with a, with an important caveat and this chef said it as well, it's not based on color of your skin or gender pronouns, or your sexual orientation, stuff like that. The, the, those are are a different categories. So you can't say, "Oh, you're not for me because you're this." It's because of behavior. It's because of attitude. It's because of it's like, "Oh, you just like to pick on restaurants. You like food in three minutes, or you give a bad review. You're that. You're not for us." Yeah, and and we have to remember when people get mad. They sit down and they write reviews. When people are happy, they don't. I see this in my Airbnb business all the time. People that have had a really great stay 
if I don't ask them, because I'll send them a note and I'll say, and I used to not do this. And I, I was like, where are all the positive reviews from all the people that have told me they've had a great time and a great stay? They don't write them. And so I send out a note the night before and I just say, hey, if I earned a one star review, then give me one stars. But if I earned five, would you give me five? And and maybe 50% of the time people respond to that and, and they'll give me a review. And most of the time I get, I get a five-star review because I work very, very hard to be a super host and, and to take care of my folks. But I'll give you an example. I had six people that were staying in a place that I own up on Third uh, Avenue West with a partner of mine. We're 50-50 partners. It's an Airbnb. And I have a cottage and a home there. And these things just crank. They do very, very well. Uh, that place in the month of July will net $15,000. And... I think the debt service on it is probably uh, four grand a month. This thing just cranks. So anyway, and this is this is one of those homes I'm going to tear down to the studs at some point. We're going to restore it. Uh, haven't got there yet because working on some other homes. But in the meantime, it's good to buy a house, stabilize it, and see if you can get it to cash flow, appreciate and depreciate, which which we have done with this property. So people come and stay there. And they get a hell of a deal to stay there on top of Queen Anne Mountain because you're staying in a house. And typically, they're staying in the house for anywhere between three dollars and $400 a night. And if you go get a hotel room, you can't get a hotel room for three dollars or $400 a night in the city of Seattle. Even through the pandemic, you couldn't do that. So to rent a whole house at the top of Queen Anne where you're just a mile from Amazon and the Space Needle and all that, it's really amazing. So people come and they love it. Anyway, I had some folks stay there. And I always do a walkthrough. We clean it. We COVID clean. I do a walkthrough. I take pictures of everything. And I take pictures of the toiletries. Because I always tell people, I'm like, hey, we're going to give you a starter kit. But I'm not responsible for making sure if you run out of toilet paper that you have toilet paper. I am responsible if you clog the toilet, call me. And if it's 2 in the morning, we'll get it unclogged. So anyway, I had these folks that were staying there. And they started the week with 16 rolls of toilet paper. And you would think 16 rolls of toilet paper for a group staying at the house would be enough. It's the final night that they're staying there, and a woman reaches out. Her name's Casey. Casey reaches out and says, and they're leaving in the morning, and this is in the, she said, hey, we're out of toilet paper. And I said, well, that's interesting. I said, I'll go ahead and order some more toilet paper. Thanks for letting me know. And I thought she was letting me know so we would have enough toilet paper there for the folks that were coming next. And and I have a bunch of toilet paper that's actually stowed there on the property that's hidden that people don't know about. Because otherwise, they, they, they'll they take all your toilet paper. Uh, they will take, all, especially during the pandemic, people will take boxes of toilet paper out of my Airbnbs and just disappear with them when they left. And they take shampoo. They take all that stuff. So you have to hide it and put it under lock and key. She... No, d- she wanted me to drop toilet paper off at the house at 10 o'clock at night on a Friday when they're checking out on Saturday. So I wrote her back and I said, you know, I don't really do that. And I sent her a picture of the toiletries that she started the week with. And I said, hey, if you're running, I, I said, I, and I said, to be honest with you, I, I've had hundreds and hundreds and th- of stays and thousands of people stay in my Airbnbs. And I control seven of these right now. I'm about to, about to add eighth. And I said, I've never had anyone because she started getting it with me. Get it, and, and and she started talking about her review, and she's letting me know that I she's had this great week, but but I'm going to get a negative review, and she's going to give me one star if I don't show up with the toilet paper, 
And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have to risk that. And I, and I said, I hope you remember that reviews go both ways. But what's interesting with Airbnb is your guest writes their review and you're not allowed to see it. Or you write a review and your guest is not allowed to see it. But they will review those, they will review and then reveal those reviews at the same time. Whatever that guest writes, you can respond to it, but you can't change it. And vice versa. So for me, I never used to write negative reviews. I just would be like, you know what? I don't have time for it. And if someone writes something nice, one star, whatever that is. But in your early days of that business, you have to show up at 10 o'clock at night with a roll of toilet paper. Because if you, in the early days of Airbnb, Airbnb is watching. And if you get any type of negative reviews at all, They'll not only do you get pushed down in the algorithm, but they will kick you off the platform and you'll never be allowed back on the platform. And, and so there's this real thing. And, and part of it is in millennial culture where they are, they want to be super served and they will write a negative review like that. But if you ask them if they had a good stay and you ask for the positive review, I have to say they will do that as well. But you have to ask for it. And I have to imagine with these chefs, it's probably the same thing. Somebody walks in, they're not aligned with your values and the way that you run your store. Uh, they have a bad experience and they're going to write about it. Have you found but someone think that, about that... all the places and all the things we've done where we've had a great experience and we didn't go out and yelp about it. That That's most of us. Have so. you had people that you looked at their profile and like, this is not my person? Yeah, I used to I used to not look in the early days, boy, you would you would just take on whoever you could take on. Because uh, when you start an Airbnb, you have to you, you have to give it away and you have to really super serve. And I still super serve people as a super host. I do. One of the things that people always say about me is he, I, I always get back to people within an hour and they have an issue or a problem. And I typically solve it for them. But if they're being a, uh, then I can be a little bit of a uh, as well. And I've learned to push back and create, we were talking about boundaries before I've learned to create that boundary. And if I get a negative review as a result of that, I have hundreds of positive reviews right now, so I can absorb that. But if you're a new restaurant, if you're a new chef, if you're a new store, if you're just starting out in an Airbnb you, you, you can't afford a one-star. So I, I, I can see why these chefs would want to do that. So anyway, we will see you on the other side. Hey, you guys. We're sitting here with Mitch.Loans. We want to thank everyone for switching to Mitch. Did he change his name from Mitch Weeks to Mitch.Loans? <laughs> yeah, that's his name. <laughs> anyway, this is something I've been thinking about, Mitch. Here comes 2022. I'm going to sit down and do my taxes anyway. Most of the stuff that I'm going to need to send you to do a refi is right in front of me. So as people are doing their taxes this year, it's a great time because you got all the paperwork right there that you guys need to think about doing a refi in 2022, right? It sure is. Yeah. And as you have that stuff in front of you, keep in mind that it's totally free to have a consultation with me. You give me a call, you take the loan application, and we might talk it over and decide it's not the call right now. To refi doesn't make sense. Whether you're buying in the next two years or you're already in a good loan, we'll keep it, you know, like that. But if it's time to switch, you'll be glad you did. So switch to Mitch and let's get that call going. There we go. He's Mitch Weeks. He's the official mortgage guy of the Ronadon Nation. Go to Mitch.loans right now for more information. Save half a percent on your new loans at Mitch.loans. NMLS 169-1573. 
All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don show. And we were talking about clients that are aligned with us. And we had somebody contact us the other day. It always kind of blows us away because we've run into this a lot this year. We're not only, let's say that we're trying to buy a home, not only are the person we're trying to buy the house from part of the Ron and Don nation, but our buyers came to us because they're part of the Ron and Don nation. Sometimes the other real estate agent is part of the Ron and Don nation, and then they end up using Mitch.loans. So it's a full-on five-star Ron and Don nation uh, love fest, which I love. Anyway, we, we, we got contacted by someone in the Ron and Don nation. They live out in Duval. We'll just call them Tom and Susan. And Tom called us and said, hey, we're really interested in buying the house across the street. And I said, well, well, that's interesting. Let me look it up online. I said, well, here's the problem. It's not for sale. They're like, we know, but we saw someone out there kind of cleaning up the house and we think it might be for sale and they might bring it to market. And we've looked at this house for an awful long time and we'd like to buy that house. The problem is though, we'd have to sell our house. So we'd have to be contingent on our house to buy that house across the street. Sounded a little impossible, but I called... Uh, the agent, because guess what? They are going to sell this house in a couple months. They are getting ready to bring it to market. So I called the agent on the other side. He was part of the Ron and Don Nation. We had done a deal with him before. And he said, you know what? Let me talk to my client. Because if we don't have to do a bunch of work, uh, if we don't have to replace windows and clean carpets, we don't have to clean this place up and stage it and take pictures and have people walk in and out and do it. And you guys will just, you'll You'll just buy this house, and we know that you'll be contingent on your house. Yeah, we'd be interested in doing that. So that's exactly what we did this week. In fact, guys, we have a house for sale in Duval. If you want to check it out, reach out to us. Uh, All you have to do is write ron at windermere.com. And our sellers are selling. They're buying the house across the street. And so far, Ron, uh, this is kind of a complicated deal. And at the same time, these are the deals that we love, and these are the kind of deals that in an up market and in a very aggressive market, this is the kind of deal that is really become a win-win for everybody, right? I think it's really smart, and, and this is not the first time we've done this. We, sometimes you get in a neighborhood, uh, you find out the, the intricacies of that neighborhood, and you go, I, I, I like the place where we're at. But there's something around the corner or across the street or even one of your friends is like, oh, this I've always wanted that view. And so you see it. And then when the opportunity arises, when you're ready to go, you go. And so I think it's a smart strategy to know your neighbors, get a feel for the neighbors, be able to uh, make a maneuver like this. And, you know, if I can pat you on the back for a second. Thank you. It was um, not everybody can call up someone cold and put a deal together like this. Cause there's a lot, it was a big ask. It's a big ask to do that. And, and it would surprise, it always surprises me. The people that don't answer their phone, won't talk to you. Um, try to put together uh, uh, transactions for hundreds of thousands, if not over a million dollars. And they want to do it at arm's length and like getting in there, making the phone call, building a relationship with the guy, understanding what's important to them, putting that deal together. It's becoming a lost art. So good job out of you. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. And, and, and the real challenge has been on the house that we're selling that we're contingent on family lives in there. So we have to power wash the whole property, which we've done. We've had to inspect the whole property, which we've done. We've had to COVID clean the whole property, uh, which we've done. 
on top of that, we've had to move a lot of furniture out, which we've done. We've had to move a lot of furniture in all in 10 days, which we've done. We've had to take pictures, which we've done. We've had to create a listing, which we've done. We've had to put, put a for sale sign and we've had to plant flowers and throw down some bark. And we've even had to clean up the neighbor's house because the neighbor's a bit of a mess, which we've done. We've done all these things to bring this house to market in 10 days. And I don't know that there's a lot of realtors out there that could do that and make that happen like that. But that's because we are on the hustle for you. And that's why we get more for your door. So if you need us, write Ron, Ron at windermere.com. And even if it's something crazy like, hey, could you call the neighbor across the street? Because I like to buy their house. Don't think I won't get on the phone and call them. And chances are they might be part of the Ron and Don Nation, which wins us a lot of favor, which we're very appreciative of. We're very appreciative of the trust that people have and the love that they show us as friends, broadcasters, and as their realtors. So again, if you need us, ronandonsitdown.com. It all starts with the Ron and Don sit down. And uh, you can also just write Ron, Ron at windermere.com. And we can schedule a sit down today. All right. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Listen to this episode. Don't forget episode 397 will be here before you know it. You keep your head up, your shoulders back, and we'll see you next time for 397. I lay on the Rotterdam Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 Only on the Ron Don Radio Network.